You're listening to a Destiny Park Media Podcast. Live to tape from a show about New York City. This is the first annual Dad Men Awards presented by the National Academy of Dad Men Arts and sponsored, of course, by Lucky Strike Cigarettes. Lucky Strike Cigarettes, it's toasted. Also sponsored by Bethlehem Steel, the backbone of America. And of course, sponsored by the Relaxicizer. I never thought it would happen to me. I am your dadster of ceremonies, Joseph Rowland. And uh, tonight on the, for the first annual Daddy's Awards, I want to welcome our esteemed and honored guests, Mike Jala and Michael Rowland. Guys, please come on to the stage. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Appreciate Woo. it. Woo. Appreciate oh, it, guys. Wow. Thank you. Hey, don't touch me. Oh, seriously. <laughs> hey, calm down, Mike. Calm down, Security. Mike. It's cool. It's fans. No, it's fans. No, no. They, he tore my shirt. Okay. I'm cool. Get him out you of guys, here. I'm cool. All right. Sorry. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> I'm so happy that you could join me and the members of the Academy uh, to celebrate a season of the show Mad Men, but also... A series, a season of the show, Dad Men. Uh, you guys have also completed your first season of this groundbreaking podcast. Uh, I want to know how do you feel right now. Well, um, first of all, Joe, I appreciate you uh, bringing us out. I appreciate the applause. I appreciate the fans, and uh, you know, obviously, the listeners. They've uh, they've been good to us this season. They've been good to us this whole show. Um, it's a uh, it's 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 somber but it, but it's um but it's uplifting because we 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 did mm. something that i don't think a lot of people were able to do we 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 completed the first season of mad men you know i i, I feel great about it how about you mike uh i also feel really good because this is something that uh we had been working on for a long time it's it may not seem like it uh, because it's just <laughs> recapping a TV show, <laughs> but uh, it's true. We uh, this is like a year ago. We were talking about this show, and we were just so excited. And um, I, I had to move two different times before I was ready to uh, start watching Mad Men and, and giving this podcast the love and attention it deserves. And it's been so cool to uh, see the audience respond to different episodes and. Um, it's been so fun to listen to us get like more comfortable with the show as it goes on and, uh, develop a greater friendship with each other. So, um, genuinely very proud of, uh, what we've accomplished and really excited for what we're going to accomplish, uh, in future seasons of dad, men. Yeah, man, we're ready to, we're ready to come back swinging and, uh, I hope the fans are ready for it too. Well, it's a towering achievement, and uh, I'm so happy to be here to celebrate it with you guys. And um, although on that note, I, I have to admit something embarrassing is that uh, we have, of course, a full slate of awards. There's so many um, talented and deserving fictional characters, uh, but we haven't picked winners for all of them. The Academy has picked some winners ahead of time, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that you as uh, maybe the most qualified guests I could imagine could help us come to a decision about who should get these awards. Absolutely. Is that something you guys are up for? Absolutely. I, I am definitely honored and up for it. Okay. 
Well, I hope that's true because we got the we had a big one coming right out the gates. This is the award for best episode. Ooh, Jesus! Yeah. Okay. Should should we should we move that one? Uh, is it for Mad Men? First of all, yeah, I should clarify. This is for the <laughs> best episode of the first episode of Mad Men. You mean first season? So this is about the best episode <laughs> in the first season of Mad Men. Okay, good. Because um, if it was for Dad Men, it would be so hard to pick because they're all perfect. <laughs> that would be pretty tricky, uh, I must admit. Transitive, yeah. Because it's not necessarily the transitive oh, property God, no. where the best episode of Mad Men would equate to your best podcast episode. No, I mean, uh, we've had some real turkeys of, <laughs> Mad, of Mad Men episodes for, yeah. for really perfect Dad Men episodes, you know. That's true. We're really like, competing with the show itself, to be honest. <laughs> That's a great idea for a podcast. Is it's a recap, but it's like, all right, we're going to do something better than what we saw this week. Yeah, we have we have some dramatic stuff. Uh, the appendicitis scare, Dad Men episode was particularly fun for everyone. Um, oh, I'm sure. I'm no, sure. no. Um, yeah, we can we can definitely start off with best episode because um, this show isn't just about like best stuff and worst stuff. It's about a little. You know, things are a little deeper. So, yeah, we can start out with uh, something more um, fun like that. Yeah. <laughs> we could do a three, two, one, and everyone oh, wow. gives. I know, that's that's actually a little bit messy. Or regular, but uh, <laughs> I'll allow it. This is the, yeah, this is the first one, so. <laughs> I'll allow it, yeah. <laughs> Every, everything is going to be irregular because we've never yeah. done it before. <laughs> There's nothing in the rule book that says we can't. Actually, Chloe's here too, so she can vote as well. Okay, so Jala, I think how it's going to work is you and I are going to select, and then if we tie, then Joe is the tiebreaker. And, yes, uh, that sounds. Or wait, like no, if we if we if we tie, but oh, that made no sense. Um, if we both pick something different, Joe will be the tiebreaker. There we go. Okay, exactly. All right, you want to do a three, two, one, and then we'll both say what we think the best episode of season one is. Yes. I'll give you guys a three, two. How about I'll count you in? Okay. okay. Beautiful. Perfect. All right. Ready. Um, three, two, one. Five G. Nixon versus Kennedy. Oh, man. Okay. Remarkable. Holy shit. Do you want I to discuss 5G. your reasoning? I love yeah. 5G. Don't don't get me wrong. 5G is amazing. It's probably, Michael, it's probably number two for me. But I think Nixon versus Kennedy, the scene that defines it for me is the Rachel Mankin, Don Draper rushing in, panicked, and basically metamorphosizing into Dick Whitman in front of her eyes, and that whole tug of war that they have. Um, that's uh, that, that scene is a standout and a landmark in... Uh, in um, John Hamm's uh, acting ability. So that's why I pick. Uh, well, that's one of the reasons I pick Nixon versus Kennedy. Okay. Um, so I pick 5G because for me, I was uh, just incredibly moved by it in a way that most TV episodes have never moved me. Um, I cried. I thought about it for days after watching it this time. And um, I think it really defines the Don Draper character in a much deeper 
and more poetic way than something like Nixon versus Kennedy does, which is more straightforward and more like, we're going to explain everything about this guy. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there's something deeper going on, you know, with, uh, the rejection that he gives his own family, um, in, uh, in 5g and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I've, I've been a Nixon versus Kennedy guy, my whole, my whole Mad Men career, you know, Mad Men viewer career. So I, I'm shocked too. When I looked at that option, I thought I was going to pick Nixon versus Kennedy, but I, I think 5g just narrowly edged it out this time for me. Well said, but uh, Michael, I'm going to have to ask you to reconsider Nixon Nixon versus Kennedy's qualifications. Very good. Because in my capacity as tiebreaker, I'm going to award this to Nixon versus Kennedy. I'm happy either way. I yeah. uh, I love both episodes, so it's undoubtedly. And I think also I haven't thought this through. So. Yeah, I actually like the 5G <laughs> episode though. It's 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 very heartfelt. And it's, it's another amazing acting job by uh, by John Hamm. Like both episodes, he really he really shows up in a way where he puts his flag down as like one of the better, one of the best uh, male actors, yeah. especially in a TV show for sure. Honestly, yeah. Ultimately, it's like I think those two episodes are right here, and then the rest of season one is like still good, but down yes. a few rungs. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right, we we agreed. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people thought we would get into a fist fight on the first one, but we're proving them wrong. We're very mature. Yeah. I just want to say real quick, 5G is maybe a little too painful for me just because it reminds me of the time Michael gave me $5,000 to get out of his life. <laughs> Where'd you get the 5Gs, Mike? Uh, I took it out of his credit card. <laughs> yeah. just... And then I took the money, but I did still... <laughs> Like keep hanging around. <laughs> yeah, just gonna, like, <laughs> I said, "Go on, take the money and run." And then we started singing that song. I think he thought right. I was kidding. And uh, well, anyway. <laughs> so there were no losers in the the category that we just discussed. I can't say the same of our next category. This is best worst episode, <laughs> which feels kind this of is, backhanded. Yeah. I think <laughs> this is once again in the. Uh, this is a you know the first season of Mad Men. This is a show that's still finding itself and is trying a lot, and not all of it hits. We're going to talk about the ones that don't. Okay. So once again, I'm going to count you guys in. Are you ready? Yes. Three, two, one. Babylon. Fuck. Jala, I don't know that I heard your choice. Oh, did we? We went on top of each other. I I said the I said the ladies' room because it's so. Well, it's 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 heavy. It's heavy on Betty, but not. It doesn't get deep enough into the Betty character as much as it kind of is a precursor to getting to know the character. Um, and um, it's also not my favorite. It also has not my favorite version of Peggy Olsen in it. Um. Mm. But because uh, it's early peg, um, and as far as for the laser, that's all I can think of for for why I would put it in there. I don't. I don't even think it's a like a horrible episode to be honest. I just think it's more of a setup episode. I see, Michael. Tell us more about Babylon. Um, so Babylon is the one where um, 
they're trying out the uh, Belle Jolie lipstick and uh, Don is like desperate to get Rachel to meet with him to help him out as the only Jewish person that he knows. And um, there is also um, it's just uh, it is also the first time Roger and Joan are shown to be, uh, you know, having an affair. But Mm. um, there's just something about the episode I really don't like. I think it feels very obvious with the way it describes everything. Um, The highlight of the episode is uh, Peggy saying a basket of kisses. But um, I don't know. All the characters are being very over the top versions of themselves uh, down to the scene where they're all watching the women try on lipstick. And, uh, you know, uh, Kinsey says, should I take off my pants and show them my weenie? And uh, he doesn't say <laughs> Paraphrasing, that. of course. Uh, yeah, I don't remember the quote exactly, but I believe he says something about his weenie. Um, <laughs> but no, I just, I just don't like that episode at all. Um, and I think the ladies' room, not to like keep saying like, keep finding common ground with each other, but the ladies' room is a good pick too for uh, this category. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I actually uh, remember you saying that about uh, Babylon when we watched right. it. You were kind of well, like, yeah, this episode is a little, f- not flat, but I don't know, yeah. like, not, didn't have, it didn't have it, it, it didn't basically. Have, yeah, it doesn't have what I love about Mad Men in it. It's kind of just, yeah. But um, here's the interesting thing, is that when we did the first two episodes of Dad Men, I was dreading watching the pilot and the ladies' room. Like, I was like, these are going to be so not good and maybe it's because of those expectations where i like had a fun time with both of them and yet i looked at my ratings sorry i know i'm not where there's no phones allowed here but i broke the case the little case you gave us um oh, sorry it's just for the audience highly, to be honest just highly irregular <laughs> i mean let, let it go let it go it's fine <laughs> all right, all right, all right. it makes Thank for good you. tv um <laughs> but i looked at my ratings and sure enough those are like three and 3.5 uh pilot was like 3.5 i think by me i was feeling generous and then so yeah, it's 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 just solid or it's just okay. It's just okay. Both those episodes are just okay. So yeah, I see. Well, once again, I I have to side with Jala on this mm-hmm. one with his pick. Um, I I picked the ladies' room. <laughs> okay. Uh, something right. that you said about Babylon was that uh, it's very obvious, and I think that that's what I, the way I feel about the ladies' room. But also to to. Say this about Mad Men, one of its best strengths is how it writes its female characters and how it writes about being a woman in this time period. And it gets really good at it, and it really makes this episode, in contrast, feel very um, lame and as if, like, it feels like an episode of Glee where Mr. Schuster wrote the word women (laughs) on the board, and it's like, it's what everyone talks about for the rest of the episode in a very kind of stilted, typical way. Okay. Are you, and you're saying that about the ladies' room? I am. I okay. Am. Well, for Babylon, I would say he wrote <laughs> the, word, <laughs> the word Jewish on the blackboard. You, that's 100% true. <laughs> Jewish. <laughs> he definitely did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But there's a little something to that just because it's like from the first episode we know these characters don't know any Jewish people. Right. And, and yeah. to be fair to the episode, it, it does have several good points that I had to list even yeah. when I uh, talked about it. But... Um, and it does have a great line about utopia, um, which I don't remember it exactly. You can listen to the dad men to remember it. But um, I, I don't know. I, I still ultimately just think that one is uh, poor for Mad Men. But I respect your guys' choice. I respect the Academy 
too much to try to do like a recount or something. So. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you for respecting the process. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. This is a show about persuasion and uh, nowhere is that more evident than when the men and women of Sterling Cooper get into a room to try to tell a client what to believe about their own product. Our next category is for the best pitch. All right. This one was tough for me to think about. I, uh, I had a hard time remembering all those pitches, you know? So yeah. Same here. Um, I just have one that touched me emotionally, and so I gave it to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I feel like uh, whoever wants to go first can tell us about their pick for best pitch. I choose Jolly. So my best pitch, or the best pitch, for season one, for me, goes to Don Draper and the Carousel. Don mm. Draper and the Carousel pitch actually surprised me on uh, this season watch. When first watching the show, I remember the Carousel pitch. I remember that it was supposed to be pretty meaningful, but back then I didn't feel it as much as I felt it now. Um Especially being a father, I think it really hits home in a lot of ways. Um, The way we capture memories on our phones. There's so many parallels when Don is speaking about this uh, item from, um, I believe it was Kodak, correct? Yes. Yeah, from Kodak. Yes. And um, when he was going through the emotions of what we think about when we're looking at old photos and how we feel um it touched me i was i was moved um and uh i think that don even moved the room (laughs) so for me best pitch going to the carousel yeah i mean i i think there's no competition between anything else in the rest of the season i i think it's actually the only one i can think of is lucky strike and uh that one is like a great introductory pitch for this show because um, it's like, how's he going to get out of this? Um, it's pretty iconic. I still reference it's toasted every now and then in my life, but um, <laughs> I still think about the carousel all the time. Um, I've referenced it in a song lyric of mine and it's uh, just, a, it's just one of the greatest moments in the show. So yeah, I think I got to give it to carousel for best pitch. Absolutely. Um, the Academy, the only thing I'd want to add is, of course, the the rich irony of that pitch, which is that, you know, Don is, it is a pitch about him remembering his family and these great times, his, the past. And it's in that moment, he's, he has lost those things. They're slipping away from him in that very moment. And, uh, you know, this is always a show about people selling the things that they don't have. Hmm. to other people you know all right to uh maybe bring in a little more levity into the situation this is uh one of our most popular awards this is the sterling's gold standard (laughs) this is the award for best roger line of the season or any just particularly humorless (laughs) or just for any particularly humorous line from this first season okay um so I didn't know it was going to be for humorous moments from the season. Um, let's cut. Let's just say it's Roger. Okay, <laughs> but I can no, I can improvise. I can mm-hmm. improvise. Um, yeah. 
So for best line from Roger, I did pick one. Um, do we have to imitate Roger in this uh, category? I'll leave that to you. Okay. You know what my father used to say? Being with a client is like being in a marriage. Sometimes you get into it for the wrong reasons, and eventually they hit you in the face. Well done. Well done. That's I, mm-hmm. that's my favorite Roger quote of the season. I think it's both very illuminating on his uh, background, and also it's really funny. Um, and for the funniest line of the season uh, that's not by Roger, um, or funniest moment even, God, it's, I'm, I have all this stuff running through my head. <laughs> Yeah. Um, hmm. I think I really like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. It's this is it. No. No question. When Pete says direct marketing, I thought of that. Turns out it already existed, but I arrived at it independently. Um, that's. I think that's Damn. even funnier than my Roger pick. So it it's perhaps the funniest thing a human being has ever said. <laughs> into a microphone on camera he's so angry he's so he feels so justified in his anger and he doesn't realize he's and don's face as he's watching him do this is just pure fascination and and uh fear also there's fear and like what the hell is going on it is said with 100 percent conviction (laughs) that this is true this is a good thing to say yeah and this will really like put don in his place yeah yeah i gotta give it to you mike um I think that I think that Pete line is the I think it is the funniest thing. I mean, the honorable mention that I can give is kind of more of an inside, not an inside joke, but kind of more of a uh, hilarious moment that we found in the show together during uh, Dad Men, which was um, the the Ukrainian food. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that Kinsey uses that uh, throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You like you like Ukrainian food? You like Ukrainian yeah. food? Because if you don't, I'll <laughs> take my own life, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we have to give it to Pete, man. Uh, Pete, Pete's, uh, Pete's line is, is probably untouchable, I think. I, I, yeah, I'm so glad I thought of that because that is definitely it. It's so yeah. good. <laughs> it's like the Simpsons level quality yeah. writing. Oh, yeah. For, for Roger himself, I want to shout out a line from that same episode when... Uh, Pete is given a reprieve. He's not going to be fired. And uh, as they're as Don and Roger are leaving, Pete says, "I won't let you down, Don." And Roger just turns back to say, "Jesus, Campbell, don't ever say that." <laughs> I think said, that's so good. That's very <laughs> it's, funny. It's pretty brief for a Roger line, uh, but it, it was said with such conviction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely in my nominations when I looked at my favorite lines in my head. Uh, you know, I like the, I always like the line our our um, our our sound clip line. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't I didn't think you had it in you, and I mean that. <laughs> um, Joe <laughs> the, like, <laughs> earlier today, Joe was saying the nicely done part is really good for the sound clip. <laughs> that's that's a really good stinger just to have. <laughs> nicely, yeah. I think what we need to that's do like for your production card, right? What we need to yeah. do is um, invest in a sound clip uh, generator. So that throughout the show we can throw in those sound bites. Get a uh, soundboard, yeah, yeah, yeah soundboard. dude. There you go. I always wanted mm-hmm. a fucking soundboard. That might be. <laughs> this might be like the 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 route into that. Yeah, we'll we'll start an episode, and I'll be like, yeah, I, I ran a mile today, and you could press it. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, sorry. Sorry, Joe. Sorry, I could see that yeah, they're please. playing me off. <laughs> the rap, Which is the weird. wrap up. Because I'm still on, I'm going to be on stage with the rest of the show, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what they Well, this is, uh, yeah, you need to step aside and then I'll present it and then okay. you'll come right back. Sorry, sorry. Okay, they're pushing me up. Mm. Stand over there. This is a, this is always a highly competitive topic. Uh, sorry, this is always a highly competitive award every year. A um, lot of contenders. This is the Dadman Academy Award for Best Extramarital Relations. Ready? Yeah, would you guys like to... Yeah, we'll, we'll count it down for this one. Three, two, one. Don and Rachel. Don and Rachel. <laughs> Woo! Thank God. Don and Rachel. Woo! Yes. Don Draper is, of course, a mainstay in this category, but... Uh, <laughs> strong contender, strong contender. I, I thought that was kind of... Uh... Year in, year out, he shows up and puts in the work <laughs> to be considered... <laughs> Yeah, it's an honor just to be nominated, I guess. Yeah. I've gotten laid. <laughs> <laughs> what makes, in, in a season full of extramarital relationships, what makes uh, Don Draper and Rachel Menken stand out? You got this, Jala. I mean, I mean, as, as the fans out there know, yep, I'm looking at you right there. You know, you know. The, 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 uh, this is my favorite couple um of at least season one if not the show um because rachel mankin is a genius and is a perfect counter opposite to don when it comes to emotional intelligence even wit um keeping Don on his toes and not giving in so easily to him. And because of that strength that she carries, it keeps Don on the back foot and always kind of trying to find a way in with, uh, with Rachel and, um, eventually gets there. Um, their chemistry is, is top tier. I, 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 as we move through the seasons, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, who can who can uh, who can contest it? But for now, definitely Rachel and, and Don. Um, so I I find it interesting. You said they're a good couple, just because for me, what makes this such an interesting affair is that like Rachel is clearly much better than like Don, and of, of course I don't I don't enjoy them being together, but I enjoy watching them get entangled in each other's lives and. Um, Rachel, like fully, not fully understanding what she's doing and who she's getting involved with. And once she sees a glimpse at the type of person that Don really is, um, she, she cannot be with him. Um, but I think the show does handle it in a really cool way where the story never gets stale, despite the fact that it really could get stale. Like they give the thing time to simmer, percolate, breathe, um, it doesn't get updated every single episode, but when it does, you're like, oh man, how is this going to end? It's not going to end well, but it didn't end the way you thought it would. I guarantee it. Anyone who was watching from episode one, they probably thought it would be an explosive finale where the family finds out or Betty finds out, I mean, and or the office finds out. But instead, it's just kind of a sad and 
inglorious end in it. And that's what I like about Mad Men is it presents these things. It may romanticize certain moments of an affair, but it really isn't afraid to show what a like how how things can sort of implode in a really non glamorous way. And it's just like, well, that's it. All right, time to move on move on with my life, I guess. So I, I like the Rachel and Don thing for how it was done. I don't really like them together, but um, I like Rachel a lot and Don do better. <laughs> Come on. And, uh, we'll see if, if he make... takes that to heart. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, 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 and if I may, I, I only, I only tagged them with the couple, um, because of them just kind of being together and, uh, on the side, basically. Right. Um, right. But, um, not not necessarily them being official or anything like that. Okay, because right? I was gonna say that would be because they never were really. They never <laughs> they really got off. Yeah. yeah, they have they have a lot of chemistry, and that's what makes their relations um, really exciting. And um, I think I think because of that chemistry is what for me makes them um, awesome together. Well, I don't know. Okay, this is getting too long in the the thing for uh, an award show. I don't know if they have good romantic chemistry. You don't believe they that? have good dramatic chemistry. Exactly. Certainly. Thank you, Joe. The scenes with them are electrifying. Yeah, and des- there's desperation on both mm-hmm. sides in a really electrifying way. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't want to. I, I don't think... want to make the thing run too long. Okay. I only want to say this because I think that we're going to see Don Draper in this category year after year, <laughs> and. The thing is, a lot of people on the show uh, have they they get into these relationships for like an ego boost or uh, the physical intimacy of it. But um, what makes Don such a standout competitor in this uh, is that he is always looking for a true kind of emotional fulfillment. He's looking for someone to be a mirror to him. He's looking for someone else. He's looking to define himself and his identity in the love of these women that come and go from his life Mm -hmm. and um it's that level of emotional neediness that is so exciting to watch (laughs) yep all right uh so just as a rapid fire thing uh we don't want to dwell on this worst extramarital relationships ready (laughs) yep three two one harry and hildy betty and the boy that's not an extramarital relationship. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Moving on. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're ruining Betty's nope. life. <laughs> By calling it an affair. Uh, uh, no. I just want to nominate uh, Roger and Joan for both categories. <laughs> I like that. Wow. I, I love seeing them together, uh, but I hate anyone who hurts Joan. Well, very good. So moving on, of course, to a, a favorite topic. This is the uh, this is one that the Academy has selected beforehand. Uh, this is the Dadman Award for this is the Daddy Award, I should say, for best short fiction. And there's actually nominees for this one. Um, the nominees are "Tapping a Maple on a Cold Vermont Morning" by Ken Cosgrove. Sounds good. "Bear Story" by Pete Campbell. <laughs> uh, the Jersey Negroes and Me by Paul Kinsey. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and Erotic Hunting <laughs> Fantasy, also by Pete Campbell. <laughs> and the daddy goes to Ken Cosgrove for tapping a maple on a cold Vermont morning. Thank God. Okay. It, it went mm. to the right one, I think. <laughs> yes. I don't know how Pete got on here twice. <laughs> I don't you know how Kinsey got on there at all. This is... <laughs> <laughs> 
I won't lie. We had to really scour the the thing for a lot for short fiction. <laughs> God damn it! Okay. <laughs> so next up, uh, another nominated award. This is um, I- I'd love to hear you guys' opinion about this. This is for the award for best element from the pilot discarded after the pilot. Our nominations are the switchboard operators, the opening text uh, crawl, the the whole Mad Men quote thing. Uh, the character of Midge, Pete being Don's protege, and Pete being Matt Weiner's father. Uh, if I may go first. Yes. And I may. Um, <laughs> after you, after you. <laughs> um, I think, for me, it's got to be the switchboard operators. Um, mm-hmm. I find mm-hmm. them really funny. I thought they were a really cool framing device for the show. Now, they do appear in season one a few times, but usually talking to other characters in the show. Um and also, there is one thing where Salvatore has a girl that has a crush on him. So, Joe, I don't know if it was dropped after the pilot. Oh, sure. I don't necessarily mean that these are... Dropped uh, right away. Uh, they're given a lot of prominence in the pilot, okay. and I feel that nothing really comes of them. Okay, so yeah, switchboard operators, and also they inspired our uh, fan favorite segment, Flow yeah. Watch, which um, <laughs> we had a lot of fun this year, guys, but it's over, I I promise. We'll, we'll still update you every episode, but it's oh, it's it's over. Oh, flow. Uh, should we have a, a goodbye flow section? Sure. Yeah, let's let's play okay. in some goodbye flow music. Um, before we leave this, uh, before and we leave I'll this, uh, take <laughs> with Go, me the memories. Anyway, <laughs> could I get an honorable mention for the uh, the opening text? Actually, when this uh, when this award yeah. came up, I. Um, and I saw that in the category for the running. I um, I remembered. I actually really do love the way they start the show off with that opening um, uh, text monologue. It kind of sets the backdrop mm-hmm. for the this show is, of course, in general. The, the the sort of like dictionary definition of Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, they coined then, it. Mm-hmm, they coined it. Um, I really loved that intro, and I could see them. If moving forward, them using some type of defined intro text thing for if not every episode, but maybe important episodes that come in. Like a season opener thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a season opener. They. Um, I just thought it was interesting. They never do anything like that again. No. I, yeah, I, that's why I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I, yeah. I... um. I think even the way they did it in the pilot, it could have been Don talking to uh, someone off screen for the first line of the show. Um, it could. Why have do they call text. you a madman? Um, well, maybe he would have been having uh, yeah. lunch with Sterling or uh, drinks with a client or something. Some, but even so, yeah, I don't know. I I don't like that text. It feels almost like it breaks the rules of the show, which is it's the pilots. So they didn't know the rules of the show, so but. Um, so I, I uh, but you. It's can, not a winner. It's not a winner. It's just a, you, it's an honorable. It's, you can make it an honorable mention, in other words. But yeah, for sure, I will make it a dishonorable suspension. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, that's why they stopped doing it because I sent them mm-hmm. a dishonorable suspension notice. You had to hit up mad about it. <laughs> and to explain my joke a little bit, Pete being Matt Weiner's father, uh, because they didn't cast Trudy yet, he has a framed picture. <laughs> Of Matt Weiner's mother on his desk, and I thought it'd be interesting that 
this is just a story about my dad, Pete Campbell. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I didn't get that when I read yeah. that. I'm like, what the fuck is Joe talking about? <laughs> Sometimes Joe All has right. some crazy theories. <laughs> wow. It's nice. real. <laughs> then Matt Weiner, Matt Weiner plays Pete Campbell's kid in the show. That's when it gets really weird. Yeah. <laughs> hey, daddy. Okay, go on. <laughs> Hello, son. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So this is the uh, Daddy Award for Best 60s Reminder. Uh, this is a period show, and sometimes they really go out of their way to tell you this show is taking place in the 60s. I don't have any specific nominations, but of course, you know, there's some classic examples. My own personal favorite is anytime they talk about how much something costs, they really like lay into that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's like what? This cost five dollars. Mike, you have one for this one? I mean, we could go really obvious and, and have it be that everyone is smoking inside. Mm, I didn't think about Everywhere. That. You know, I, I repeat myself too much on this show, I think. But I do have to give it up to the magic machine that makes copies of something <laughs> from yeah. the pilot. That's a standout. That, that, was, that was something that I wish they hadn't discarded after the pilot. I wish that Don would keep bringing up magic machines. <laughs> I thought it was distracting when he looked at the camera and winked when he said it. Was there some magic machine that sends messages across the internet? Uh, I mean, the uh, uh, information superhighway, Pete? I'm sorry, Don. Uh, Pete gets a nosebleed trying to process what he said. <laughs> spinning, he's spinning. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that one's really good. Um, the magic machine that makes copies of something. My favorite... 60s reminder is uh, of course by the ladies yeah I, I love I love the Helen Bishop and the the women um, just astonished by uh, confused and astonished by why she's why she's walking uh, that, that that was always like one of the most funniest things to me that's that's something that I remembered even before we did this rewatch for dad men uh, that's one of my most iconic things from the show is uh, people being so concerned about her walking so I totally get it. That's a good pick. For sure, for sure. Do we have to like pick between those two? Joe? I don't think so. Okay. I think we can each one gets these are the Academy feels that these awards are just kind of a shoot from the hip like Got it. Okay. Shoot. <laughs> got it. Uh worst time to buy an apartment. Oh yeah. Okay. This one got me charged. I uh yeah. really feel like I know the answer to this one. And Let's it go is there, right? uh it's uh, when you have just been, <laughs> I don't even buy the apartment right after you got fired, but it's when you're about to pitch copy at your job when you're a, you're an account person, um, and then you, you're you going to get angry that you're not getting enough compliments for it, mm-hmm. and then when you get fired, that's probably the worst time to buy an apartment. I agree. I agree. I, I, after you lose your job is uh, not the best time for an apartment. Now, to be fair to Pete, he didn't. He didn't technically know he was going to lose his job, but that's sort of his fault <laughs> that he didn't think he would lose his job for exactly. not only pitching copy, but then getting mad at Don when he tells him he did a good job. But he's like, you know what? I think I did something good. And you got the compliment for it. <laughs> it's like, what do you I know this is something we've talked about on Dadman already, but like, what the fuck was he doing? That's one of Spoiled his worst it. moments. Yeah. Ugh. Don right. should have just stabbed him in the chest when he did that. <laughs> I think he should have just... Because um... <laughs> he was writing something while he was talking to him. So he should have just said, uh, listen, Pete. And then he clicks the pen and then just goes... <laughs> <laughs> you picked the wrong time to 
Live. Okay, go on. Clean yourself up. <laughs> uh, real quick, just to speed through these last two awards. Best chips. Barbecue kettle chip. Very good. Best chips. Yeah, best chips. See, okay, I got. I think I got confused and didn't answer these. Um. Oh no, I did right. Okay, uh, Doritos nacho cheese. I actually used to be a Cool Ranch guy, but now I'm a nacho cheese guy. Crossed right. over. Yeah. I'm afraid that the answer was um, uh, uh, sour cream and cheddar uh, ruffles. Okay, so this was a question. Yeah, this was <laughs> this is one you could get right. The Academy gives uh, us some curveball. <laughs> well, you just humiliate. You, we just made a fool yeah. of ourselves. So that's fine. And, and then, real quick, best dips. All right. So for me, this is going to be Tostitos queso blanco. Mm-hmm. I think that's really delicious. Jello. We're we're we're, we're simpatico. I put I put a a similar spicy queso. Mm, not white enough. Mm, okay. <laughs> best true. job for a white dip. Uh, <laughs> that's, good. that's good. All right. Very good. Did, now, um, wait. Did the academy have a pick for the dip? Yeah, just salsa. Oh damn it! Okay, just salsa. Okay. Turns out if you group them broadly enough into all salsas, that is the best dip. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is true. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Fair all right. Well, those are those are the joke awards. Um, these are still jokes, but we're, these are all awards that are for you know members of the Sterling Cooper team and the cast at large that. It really stood out in their specific areas of expertise. Uh, so if we wanted to talk about any of these characters in particular, certainly these first three to, to make it kind of a show note, these, whatever you have to say about these guys, I just wanted to include them. The daddy award for secretary tackle MVP slash sucker punch endurer goes to Ken Cosgrove. This is the second award of the night. He also won for best short fiction. Good job, Ken. Good job. Really good. Um, you know, I am uh, not proud of Ken for um, doing the tackling of the woman, uh, Allison. I'm not proud of him for that. But when Pete sucker punched him, uh, he handled it very um, about as well as you can handle someone sucker punching you for saying a pretty reasonable thing about um a woman, you know, <laughs> no, no worse, no worse than any of the, you know, dozens of sexist jokes that those boys make every minute of every day. Right, right. Reasonable. So for it the must time. have been truly confusing for the time. It was probably a regular day, you know, a day of the week. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I think there was this one moment where I prematurely said, Ken's here. He's the Ken we love. And then that. When when he tackled the secretary, my face just dropped, and I, uh, in a way, I think that's when I gave up on uh, Nixon versus Kennedy being my favorite episode because it sort of soured uh, the whole year for me. So, it was as if you got sucker punched. <laughs> yes, in a way it was. Yes, in a way it was like I got tackled by him as well. Um, oh, no. Which you know, <laughs> it wouldn't be so bad. Hey, come on. All right. <laughs> Hey, this cute card here. What the fuck? Uh, so anyway, um, but I do want to say to anyone who is listening to this and hasn't watched season two, um, keep your eye on Kenny because Kenny Cosgrove, he wrote that amazing short story. There's 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 something there that I think we need to keep our eye on. Jala? Absolutely. You know what? I I agree with all that was said. 
Um, I wasn't soured by the uh, tackle per se, but uh, you know I will say one thing about Kenny. He's got a going to strong jaw, strong jaw. So mm. got to give mm-hmm. him props for that. Up next, of course, the this is the Daddy's Award for laxative promotion. Well, this of course goes to Harry Crane. Awesome for buying up all that ad time. Yeah. Now, now everyone knows I have a pro Pete bias, but I think Pete. Um, Helped him come up with that idea, did he not? He did, and I think I yes. think that's why he should get the honorable mention <laughs> and you, or yes. accept the award with Harry as well. So uh, Pete, <laughs> yeah, they'll come on, on up here. Stage. Well, and <laughs> Pete, Pete does say the line, "I bear some of the responsibility as well," uh, which is uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm glad we settled that because I was a little pissed off that Pete almost got left out. Um, what can we say about Harry Crane? What can we say about Harry Crane? Starts out the series as a, a nice guy. And uh, I think uh, when he cheats on uh, his missus, it's the first truly shocking affair on the show. I, I wrote it as my um, I voted it as my least favorite because it's the most like depressing one, I feel like. Uh, and it's it's just very awkward and sad for Hildy especially. But um yeah, uh, Harry has this weird way about him where he just is really awkward and uncomfortable, and he makes me uncomfortable. Like uh, when you know, we, we've talked about all his stuff before, but um, you know, good job, good job for the laxative promotion. Uh, Absolutely, he he really uh, he really pushed it out. I don't know. I think of a, <laughs> nice. a, la- a laxative pun. <laughs> I couldn't think of a good one. Yeah, that's probably, I think that's one from the show. Yeah, he pushed it out easily. Yeah, there you go. I don't know. Yeah. I had a hard time thinking about Harry Crane for a while, and then all of a sudden, I, it just came naturally to me. <sighs> it's like something was stopping me from considering him. Very good. Uh, you know, um, there's something about Harry, if I, actually, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know if I was cutting you off, Jala. Oh, no, you're good. There's a, I think in the first season of Mad Men, especially, as you're kind of understanding what kind of show this is, um, and as we kind of adjust to the idea, oh, this is a um, a period show about a time when social attitudes are really different. We are, from our modern perspective, we're kind of looking, who's the good man in Sterling Cooper? Who's the good man in the show? And exactly. We kind of think it might be Don because, oh, when the racist waiter comes over he's like uh no we're having a conversation so it's like oh maybe don's the good man that we can with like modern sensibilities we can mm-hmm. look to and he's not and then maybe you think oh harry crane maybe he's like the nice guy he's married he likes his wife um he's not as much of a creep towards peggy uh but as the show goes on it's like no everyone's a product of their times everyone is flawed um so you might kind of leave the first season thinking like, man, there's no good people in this cast. But the other thing about what we get with Harry is that uh, he's the guy who was so moved to tears during the uh, the carousel speech. He's kind of our viewpoint character for the, the carousel pitch. And uh, no matter what else happens with Harry, it's like, well, we have that moment with him of like really profound humanity. Right. And I believe so. he doesn't give us any, he doesn't give us a lot of reasons to doubt him until we get to that scene of the uh yeah. of the hildy um mm-hmm. r- relations that happen before that i don't think he's in the wrong you know what i mean 
Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that that scene solidifies <laughs> Mad Men as a morally gray and more complex show because any other TV show has him set as the, you know, the guy who's not going to cheat on his wife and yes. and keeps mm-hmm. that going for at least a few seasons before it pulls this out. Yes. Um, so it's very shocking when it happens just kind of out of the blue um, at that season one, episode 12 moment. It's, it's not even in a finale. It's in that moment. And it feels very natural and earned. And so it's, um, yeah, I guess that's what I would say is that the Harry Crane development was really interesting. And uh, they were pretty consistent with him all season as being awkward and kind of clumsy. Um, but just because someone is clumsy and goofy doesn't mean they're not as, uh, you know, they don't have as the same potential to do harm as a Don Draper or a uh, Pete Campbell or a, a mm-hmm. Roger Sterling, you know. And by do harm, I mean, of course, have affairs. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Harry Crane, he's another one to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a big award here. This is very prestigious. This is the award for best actor. And we are proud to give that award uh, for his performance in uh, Death is My Client by Paul Kinsey. Salvatore Romano for his portrayal of Peter Tolufson. Uh, yeah, Perhaps. this is earned. Just. Mm-hmm. This is just. <clears throat> I believe Salvador, uh, Salvatore really, um, when given the opportunity to perform in front of such a beauty that is Joan, you have to really seize the moment. You know what I mean? And I believe that Salvatore did just that when, while he was playing uh, the uh, character of Peter. When you have to prove something to <laughs> all of your coworkers. <laughs> You know, it's not for Jesus. the faint of heart. Oh, Sal, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, he really, yeah, yeah. These are we're playing people who don't realize the character is a. <laughs> he really seemed to be like he was trying to prove something. Yeah. <laughs> he really, he really grabbed her forcefully and bent her backwards. I mean, he he yeah. he, he was selling it. He he was trying to sell it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was truly attract. You could feel the raw attraction. <laughs> Uh, this is a man who is comfortable in this situation. Oh, it's, uh, God, yeah. it's sad. I mean, the way Joan looks after that moment is just... Uh, you know, I thought yeah. it was very interesting how quickly she caught on to it. Because any other person, I feel, would have just been like, oh, that was just like a bad... That was like a poorly done kiss. But she really grabbed, gleamed a lot from it. Because of who Joan, who she is as a woman and how she's used to being accosted even if it's in an acting perspective. So when she really yeah. attached to that 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 one moment and gathered a lot from it. By the way, all non-verbally said, it's all visual. Well, um, and we was, don't know if great. she we don't know if she knows he is uh is gay from no, that kiss. Right. But she's very disappointed and is like thinking like what the fuck? Like that's right. how I see her face. But yes. I'm sure she has her questions about it and it's interesting this happens pretty soon after her best friend um comes out to her as well at least loving her you know so confesses to her yeah 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 Yeah, Uh, anyway love sal sal um, i have a deep affection for for sal um you know there's a lot going on with this character and it's certainly they're really trying something with him that uh you know we'll see how it goes Mm -hmm. yeah definitely deserve the award Mm mm-hmm so these next four awards are, are really well. Sorry, actually, there's five awards and one runner-up. Um, these are for the characters that I think uh, who, whose arcs 
in the show have really defined this season. So, you know, this is something you can feel free to spend a little more time on uh, as we sort of not. I, I hate to say this for the award show. None of them can make it. So unfortunate. You know, this is sort of this is a chance maybe for for our guests to accept these awards on their behalf and say a few words about these, you know, very qualified recipients. The um, award, the Daddy Award for Best Modeling in the Wife and Mother Division, Betty Draper for Coca-Cola at McCann Erickson. Absolutely, absolutely. There you go. Congratulations, Betty. I'll accept, I'll accept uh, this, uh, this award for Betty Draper in uh, Coca-Cola. Betty is, uh, she deserves this award because, for multiple reasons. One... She was previously a model, and I think in her motherly ways, in her current life that she's living as a mother of two children, she deserved to be prop up, propped up once again, and the Coca-Cola opportunity was a, an amazing example of that. Um, whether that was behind Don's back or for other ulterior motives is beside the point. I think giving her the opportunity to have that freedom to work again is a big props, and I thought she did a fantastic job as Miss Coca-Cola. Um, secondly, Betty, as a wife, really needed that boost from her life away from parenting. Speaking as a father, I realize the tedium, the hardship, the difficulties that go into uh, parenting children. And if you can have any type of escape from that to kind of fulfill dreams, do something you're passionate about, or um, just express yourself in any way, I think you should take that opportunity. And when she took that Coca-Cola deal... And push forward, even despite having a little bit of pushback from the husband, I thought she was better for it. And I think Don thought so, too. Thank you, Betty. Uh, so the thing I found interesting is that in rewatching the show for Dad Men, I think Betty is the character that has most improved from a rewatch after a few years. Uh, and I really see the sort of tragedy of the character um, and I think why she deserves this award is she is also modeling as a mother and as the perfect housewife. She's trying to act like someone that she thinks she is supposed to be. But is she ever really being herself? There are moments, like when she is uh, modeling, she really seems to be glowing and happy. And she gets on top of Don and is sexually, uh, you know, excited and is... Uh, Confident, sexually confident is what I mean to say, you know, she's confident in herself. And there are these little moments in the season that tell us this character is not satisfied being the housewife and the mom. And we know that she had the talent and the smarts to be uh, to not like there is to be more than being a parent. Not to say that everyone needs to be more than a parent or it's not enough to be a parent. But she, she wanted more out of life, I think. Um, she is a really interesting character. I think January Jones 
she got a lot of criticism for her portrayal of Betty when the show was airing. And when I watched this season, I, I literally see nothing wrong with how January Jones portrays her at all. I think that is how Betty is. Uh, and I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I think she's one of the best characters in the show. And um, I think her arc is perhaps my second favorite of this season. Uh, third favorite. Let's say third favorite. Um, but I really love her. And um, I'm glad we could talk about her a bit tonight. Absolutely. You know, yeah, to talk about the, you know, some of the criticism of the character of Betty or the performance of January Jones. Um Something that I think is really present in in interesting ways in her performance and her characterization is this sense of it's anger. It's her anger and her frustration at where she is in life, the way that she's alone out here in the suburbs mm-hmm. with her kids that, you know, I don't I wouldn't say that Betty doesn't love her kids, but you get the sense that she's really not that into being a mom. It's what she feels that she is supposed to do. And it's certainly the role that she's in as an accessory in the Don Draper show. But it's like, she's like, I don't really know what she doesn't know what she could have done. She could have been, she talks a lot about like, well, you know, people really liked my modeling. I could have really, I could have done that for as long as I want. Um, She almost got the award for best target shooting. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. That was almost a slash and maybe it should have been, but um She'll understand. Yeah. Well, I think she'll actually probably hold it against me. I'm a little worried. <laughs> she, that it'd be the idea that I've overlooked her in any way. Oh, uh, she, uh, she'll, it, it'll be very passive aggressive when she talks about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think she's an incredible, she's an incredible approach to the archetype of this sort of bored housewife of the period. Mm. And just thrilled to, you know, see where she goes from here. I think it's also, Worth mentioning, I actually talked to Emily Fleming from uh, a previous Dadman episode. She was on a recent ITPNT, um, and we talked about good television. We talked about the difference between like. Uh, let me rephrase this. We, we we talked about Breaking Bad a bit and the misogynistic um, comments mm-hmm. that Anna Gunn got for her portrayal of uh, Skylar White and. Um, Ultimately, we came to the conclusion that Breaking Bad, whether it's good or a bad show, um, it's very masculine. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's a masculine power fantasy. And what I realized was that um, Mad Men, it's definitely masculine, but it's also very feminine as well. And uh, I think it has this really great balance, which is why, for the most part people were very understanding of of Betty and of uh not to get into Peggy but in Peggy as well like she's one of the most beloved characters in the show as well and she's not perfect um no but anyway i i just think it's cool that um the the women are as flawed as the men in the show it's not like yeah. Betty is this she there are certain moments where people view her as this perfect uh angel for example, Glenn Bishop, the boy, which from now on, yeah. Jala, thanks to you, we're going to just, just call him the boy whenever he appears. Uh, get the boy the out boy of appears. here. <laughs> the this boy episode appears. Has, this episode has the boy. Um, Enter the boy. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, ooh. Uh, That's no good. That's this, no good. This, yeah. 
that's an edit. Uh, <laughs> fans, can you make a movie poster for the boy with the like you know the fake doll, uh, but have it be Glenn Bishop's face? That'd be yeah, just get that shot of him standing in the bathroom doorway. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, but but yeah, my point is is that the me- the men and the women are both presented as multifaceted, flawed but ultimately amazing characters and Betty is no exception. People used to say she was an exception is my point. She's not an exception. She's great. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Audience cheers. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Guys. Thanks guys. <laughs> oh, please, please. Hey, he's falling uh, off the balcony. Hey, <laughs> watch that guy. <laughs> hey, you got to help him. <laughs> uh, why is anyone doing anything? <laughs> our, uh, our next award, yes. uh, is the award for head of account services. Yes. And this goes, of course, to the richly deserving Herman Duck Phillips. Boo. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) He won. He won. I'm sorry. These awards reflect the facts. He got it, the head of account services. But we do also want to shout out our runner up for head of account services. Peter Campbell. (laughs) Woo. Okay. I'm so relieved. That he's a runner-up, at least. Because uh, I'm sure you thought of his qualifications. The Academy definitely <laughs> reconsidered and reconsidered his qualifications for this okay. position. Very good. Very good. Uh, Mike, I think you need to uh, I think you need to accept this for Pete. Uh, he, he needs a little bit of backing for this. Uh, what about Tuck? I mean, Duck, sorry. <laughs> well, Duck's not here, and he, um, he did win the award initially, but um, I think Pete's we actually asking for you to speak up for him. Oh my God! Really? Yeah, his face is pressed up against the glass of his apartment. He's looking very wistful. Okay, all right, let's talk. All right, so let's talk, Pete. Um, Pete is still my favorite character in the show. Um, there is such a vulnerability to this performance by Vinny Carthizer um, that I can never hate him. I can be repulsed by his actions. I can be frustrated i can even be concerned with how socially awkward he is and unable to communicate with people effectively but it's really fascinating to see his journey in the show because ultimately i think i remember this season being a lot of progress for him but i think out of all the main characters he actually makes the least progress um as a person What I mean by that is that ultimately, if you look at Pete from season one, the pilot, and then look at him in the finale, all that's really changed is he's fallen on his ass and gotten humbled a bit. Um, And we know a lot more about why he is the way he is. But I, I think he's had the least growth out of all the characters. But his arc is still very fascinating to watch because he ultimately, he had a chance, he thought, to get what he wanted and he he did it through the most nefarious way you could which is blackmail um or most underhanded way at least um but in the at the end of season one he uh he's been put in his place he has been told by two different people who he respects whether he admits it or not he respects don he's been told by two different people you need to work harder and um We'll see if that lesson takes place, but he's a very smart guy. Um, 
he's actually pretty clever. Uh, not much of a writer, but um, he he did come up with the laxative idea. It wasn't really Harry. Uh, Sterling asked who it was, and Harry said he did it first, and Pete almost let him die out there. So that's, you know, <laughs> not very honorable. But um, my point is, is that he's a smart guy, and I think we we should really just, like, believe in this kid. I think this kid's got a lot to prove. Thank you. Jal, do you have any thoughts about Pete? Um, you know, you know, you know the thing about Pete Campbell. If there's one thing that you can say about Pete is that um, he's a hustler. He really is. You know, you coming from a background of being privileged in in more ways than one, but more privileged in the financial standpoint, you would think there would be a lack of hustle and go get itness when climbing the ladder. And um, Pete doesn't really slow down in that regard. He's he's very interested in trying to be the man, as young as he is, be the man of the office, or at least have some sort of strong importance that he can um, show his family, if not just his dad, um, to prove his worth. And... Um, I've really enjoyed watching him this season trying to struggle to get to that top. Um, he doesn't get there, but it's a, you know, it's a long road. And uh, I think with the goat, the, the type of goat get that Pete has and how he inserts himself and tries to um, find places where he can excel, I think, I think he does a decent job at it this season. Um, sometimes he stepped on some toes definitely Don's toes um but um overall the kid is a hustler and I respect the I respect the grind yeah uh absolutely I would I would agree with that I also think it's pretty fascinating that he just never gives up like exactly even after season one episode one where he's kind of embarrassed and put in his place by Don there he he has the energy to get back at it and then even after the humiliation he suffered where um he thought he was fired and then don saved his ass he's still going for he's going for the throat even after that Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. he just does not give up and uh it he has a lot of energy if he could put it into the right places i think we'd see a bright future for this kid absolutely i think that pete is a really good example of one of the 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 real like one of the fundamental themes of Mad Men is a show. And it's the way that we pursue and try to work for and achieve or create things uh, in order to meet some other need. We've transposed the need for, well, this is what Don does all the time to, you know, jump ahead a little bit. But Don is, advertising is all about um, selling you. Uh, a, a Kodak wheel on the back of the idea of, you know, yearning for the past and, you know, love for your family and wanting to preserve memories. Uh, it's saying, well, buy this, you'll get this thing and that'll help you get this other immaterial thing. Pete has this uh, deep, 
he has a, a really strong but maybe brittle sense of pride. And it maybe is covering up this really strong insecurity. He's coming from this privilege that he despises. He wants to be recognized for achievements that he hasn't achieved yet. Uh, he, you know, he has everything, but he feels like he has nothing. So he's he's taking that feeling of that inner feeling of lack and putting it out into the world, and it can, you know, result in a, a really strong career where he's yeah, it's it's the ambition, it's the go get itness. But it can also be, it can lead to him using people. Like, frankly, just the way things worked out with Peggy and him is like, I'm surprised that that didn't show up. It's hard to pin down for as as far as extramarital relations with those two. (laughs) But, you know, the way that ended is that um, Pete just kind of used Peggy as like a doormat, as a prop. Yeah, that's probably the worst thing he's done, I would say. Mm -hmm. That's really, and yeah. It's it's he's a guy who'll do anything to succeed, but also anything to prop him to to fill that sense of of lack in his heart. You know, it's the thing that leads him to to try to refuse help from his in-laws and to even refuse their sort of kindness and affection because he's got this sense that, no, I got to make it on my own. I need to be able to make a life and say, oh, I did all that. You know, mm-hmm. more validation. It's, uh, yeah, it, it makes him such an active character who's always going to be like kind of up to something. He's always doing something in the plot and you can see what motivates him all the time. And I think he's just a joy to watch and the performance is so rich. Yeah, I love Pete. I love him. He's um, when I start decorating the space for season two, um, I will definitely have something with Vinny. I mean, uh, Pete. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. So. Our next award, the best junior copywriter, goes to Peggy Olson. Woo! Well deserved. Well deserved. Mm-hmm. Give Thank it up you. for Peg. Um, might I take this award for Peggy Olson? You may. You know, Peggy has a raw talent that I believe only can be matched by her dad. Don Draper. Biological dad? No. But dad, yes. (laughs) (laughs) We had to cover that. Yes. There was one guy in the audience that said, Nar dad. People were like, that's that drop the mic moment. Everyone's like, wait, what? (laughs) What the hell? I missed that. Okay, sorry. No, it's okay. Peggy is a shooting star. And um, this first season, you really see her growth and her, just her intuitiveness and her, her willingness to understand the job at hand, understand the office, coming from a suburban mind state a suburban living and jumping herself into the big city you know two feet first and you know looking kind of green from from the intro um but quickly gets a hold of what the office is about what the ladies are about that live in the city and what she wants out of the job um 
and I really I really appreciate uh, Peggy kind of striving for more than just uh, a secretary. Uh, and not that there's anything wrong with being a secretary, but if you feel that you have a special talent or you feel like you have something that could be utilized or helping a business in general, I think it's important to take that step and try to reach for those dreams. Because when Peggy does that in this season, she not only reaches them, but I think she even excels past them. Because I don't know if she knew that she was going to be a copywriter. I think she saw an opportunity. Don saw an opportunity as well and kind of gave her the task and she she sees the moment. Um, I love when people seize the moment and if anything, Peggy definitely sees the moment in season one and for that she was rewarded. Um, so shouts to Peggy Olson, junior copywriter. Peggy um, is my hero. Uh, I love Peggy. And um, I really misremembered the show because I remembered it as Don sort of throws her into the position and um, she just happens to be good at it. But no, this is a person who had agency the whole time and uh, she's in complete control when she hands the basket of thrown out you know, lipstick, uh, Kleenex and, uh, you know, Kleenex that the ladies use to dot their or to blot their lips with, I don't know. Um, and says, here's your basket of kisses. Uh, it was her the whole time. She is not just someone who Don took under her wing or who Don took under his wing, but she has had latent talent, uh, this whole time. And the show made sure that we knew she was a talented, smart cookie and, it's really great because she is, I think, the the one we root for. I think Don is... There's a lot of people who say Peggy's the main character of Mad Men or the protagonist. I still think Don is ultimately the, the, main, the main person, the main protagonist. But Peggy is almost... Mm, I think she's the heart of the show. Like mm. She's the heart. And yeah. Uh, yeah. When, yeah. She's, when she's hurt at the end of the season and she is screaming in pain... Um, and trying to ignore the life that's growing in her against her, you know, against her will. Um, it's heartbreaking for me. It's one of the saddest things that I've seen. And, um, but overall, this isn't a character to feel sorry for because she has worked hard to get where she is and she's incredibly talented. And, uh, Elizabeth Moss is incredibly, incredibly talented and, her, her story for this year is my favorite story of the year. Uh, she's just fantastic. And um, I don't know. I I, uh, I can't wait to see what happens in season two with Peggy. Because I did look and Elizabeth Moss is in the promo photo for season two. So uh, I think she's in it. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Trying to make sure I don't spoil things for people. <laughs> I'm well, like, definitely. what's reasonable to say yeah she's in it she's in it yeah, yeah for sure cliffhangers I remember back the first time I saw season one of Mad Men and I think that, that Peggy's story is such a it's such a great dark horse 
it's this it's this card that the show waits to play because mm-hmm. in the pilot certainly you're like well i guess that she's she makes this clumsy play for Don. She's she gets to be our, our viewpoint character for the secretarial pool. Um and even then it's like, well, what's her deal? Is she like all, a lot of these other girls? Is she here to try to find a husband? And it's like, oh well, if it's not Don and maybe it's gonna be Pete, who knows? And you think that's we we see her character in that context, and it's not for a while that we even get this idea that, oh, she could be a creative person, that she could have this talent. And her story is someone who gets an opportunity kind of dropped in her lap almost by accident. And Peggy does have the intelligence, the ambition to say, to, to recognize the chance that she has and to hold on to it and to, to work hard and pursue it despite what that does to her interpersonal relationships, despite that the way that makes her look to the rest of the people, the rest of the women, certainly in the office, um, she's a character who we get to see this whole sense of self and, and character, this identity, like come to life and bloom into existence in front of our eyes. And it's just, it's one of the most, like you're saying, Michael, she's the heart of the show. You know, yeah. this is, it's such a positive and like hopeful and enriching thing. And while still being, you know, just as rich and complicated and, and, and layered as any of the other characters on the show. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I think one thing I want to say is that she's the ultimate trailblazer of the first season. Um, but mm-hmm. the show does a great job of not like focusing on the, on the fact that she is the only woman copywriter there. Um, it's important and they do bring it up, but the focus yeah. is on how great she is. Not yeah. that she's the first, you know, I guess it's a weird distinction for me to make, but I think she it, does get promoted to spite Pete. It, no, that is true. That, yeah. But yeah. Don has had her back this whole season. Absolutely. Um, it's true. And that we, we have seen that, that he has recommended her for the relaxicizer. He has get complimented her work. He's helped her out with stuff. So um, there's a cynical way to say he promoted her out of spite. The timing was certainly out of spite, but yeah. I believe he um, still earned. He it was still earned by yeah. her, of course. But I think also he would have done it because he's also very quick to say, "If you want a raise, ask for it like a man." Like he's he's supporting her in her climb. Um, yeah, he does truly mentor her without yeah. being like he treats her. The he treats her even even in this season. Don sees himself reflected in Peggy. Yeah. Yeah, as a talented outsider who's passionate about the work, and that's and that's and that's a vibe that you really only can feel. It's not really shown visually either. You kind of just mm-hmm. feel that he feels that way about her without so much of a word being said in that way. It's interesting how it comes across, and I think if you're paying attention, you can you can also feel it as well. Um, I mean, just uh, brilliant. It's in John Hamm's eyes. That's ultimately yeah. what it is. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I think you're right. There's a warmth. Mm. Yeah. Even when he's being, you know, the, the stern father. Yeah, there's there's mm-hmm. also a warmth when he's yelling at Pete in the hallway. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
out of your tour. Uh, oh, <laughs> we, we didn't get to say best like weird aborted swear word, which is uh, this is when they don't have the courage to drop AM, an f bomb. AMC was like, we should have a character say "fuck you," and then Pete says "q" to Don. Q. What did you say? There's a scene. Have either of you seen The Boys season three? Joe, you actually did see this episode because Dad made you watch it. Um, there's a scene where Homelander is like the evil Superman of the of the story, mm-hmm. and there's a mm. scene where, yeah. where he is being really mean to his teammate because the teammate has gained weight because they have an injury that prevents them from running super fast like the Flash. Um, yeah. So Homelander is a really scary sociopath, and he <laughs> he walks away after abusing the guy uh, for like a minute straight. And the guy does say, mutters under his breath, fuck you, man. (laughs) It's one of the scariest scenes in TV history. He turns around and goes, what'd you say? (laughs) Storms back to him. Because he has super hearing, of course. Yes, he has super hearing. He's like, what'd you say to me? What the fuck did you say to me? And uh, like grabs the guy's neck. I want Don to do that. When Pete says (laughs) Q, I want a version of that. If we could get AI or something to create (laughs) Don Draper's like, What'd you say to me? <laughs> Jala, we, Joe and I have had multiple <laughs> fantasies about John Hamm being very violent towards Pete. And I've, I've said that um, Don Draper needs to kill more people on the show and Pete needs to die more. Yeah. And these are two problems that solve each other. Wow, well, imagine yes. that. Imagine, imagine like that. Don. We, we yeah. need to talk about... <laughs> We got to talk about the Dragon Balls after this recording. We will. Maybe. We will. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. But, but back I to have, Peg. Um, yeah. I have something that to say that might shock you about the, our last award. Okay. And a, a, a man who came up when we were talking about Peggy and that Don Draper is not the recipient of any daddy awards this year. Wait, what? That's right. However, we have our last award of the night to give. That is the uh, Dadman Academy Award. We are proud to confer... Our award for bravery and distinction in the line of duty What's going on? to Dick Whitman. Whoa. Who? <laughs> Who's that? Well, Dick Whitman, he's this kid who died in Korea. Mm. He, uh, yeah, he came from nothing. He met a hobo once. He looks remarkably good. Uh... <laughs> yes, for if he's <laughs> for a dead man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, because Pete says Don looks remarkably good uh, because he's uh, God. What did he say? The real Don Draper is he died. Yeah. yeah anyway, says you're 43, which if it's true, you look remarkably good. What's your skincare routine, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, to make it obvious, guys, just to I, I I don't know what to tell you here. Dick Whitman is Don Draper's real name. Oh, oh okay. I missed that. That's what yeah. that's that's wild. Actually, I. I mean, he's kept it from us for a really long time, and to expose mm-hmm. it during the daddies is it's a little, uh, right. a little shocking. Well, he I'm a little me, taken aback. He wouldn't give me the uh, head of account services job. Mm. So uh, I see, I see what this the, is. I'm sorry, Joe. You is. meant the head of award services. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got that job. <laughs> I see. I see. Okay. Well, he was like, "Look, you've never worked in advertising. You don't work here." I'm sorry. Uh, I, this is the best I can give you. He was actually very nice <laughs> to you. <laughs> I said, "I said you'll pay for this. I'm going to ruin you." Okay, very good. <laughs> he didn't hear that part, I'm sure. But yeah, do you guys it, care about this? Which part? 
Oh, uh, the fact that he's Dick Whitmer. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, does anyone care? I'm going to go out on a limb and say nobody cares. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Campbell. I don't know about nobody. No, no, nobody cares. <laughs> According to a source of mine, uh, who will remain nameless, but he goes by BC. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody cares. Huh. You know, All right, well, that's the end of the show, then. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right. No. Uh, Who would like to talk about the the Don Draper? I'm going to talk about the D-Man, uh, the Double D. Uh, <laughs> the Double D. So, Don Draper, what a concept. Um, I, do, I do love this character. I love him. I think he is uh, fascinating. And um, frustrating. I, I would say that the performance of John Hamm as Don Draper is more satisfying to me than a lot of the things that Don Draper does, if that makes sense. I think the performance is a tour de force. Um, and the, the character can be very annoying and frustrating. Um, but that's by design, by the team. Like, they know what they're doing. Um, He's a man who is a prisoner to his regret, to his addictions, to his uh, who his like self-made identity, and ultimately he's just an addict, plain and simple. Um, but he doesn't know that he is, you know, suffering from all this stuff, and yet all he can think about is how much he's suffering. Um, mm. He's a very wounded person and uh it's the type of wound that through the path that he's li- he's walking on he can't heal he can only self-soothe any way he can whether it's with booze smoke women uh i don't know milk so <laughs> this show talks about milk a lot but um i do love i love don draper and uh there's certain moments where when he's on top of the world and he's having a good day, you just can't help but be excited for him. That's why he's the main cat, because he's charismatic and you just can't help but love him. Um, and I think that's the gift and the curse of Mr. Draper, is that he's so charismatic that he can get away with a lot more than a Pete Campbell can for the for the viewing audience at home. He can get away with a lot more than... Um, anyone can because he's handsome as all hell and he's good with the words and he's a man a myth and a legend and i think being a myth and a legend is a very lonely thing to be definitely well said well if i may i want to speak about the man that is dick whitman I have to say that Dick is quite possibly one of the most layered characters on a television show. Um, I know some people in the in the crowd and fans and such may contest this, but I believe that the protection mechanism that is Don Draper that was created by Dick Whitman. The reason why I bring up Dick Whitman separately is because um, 
Dick actually makes he kind of when Don is being Don is probably the most charismatic, strong, handsome, um, upbeat and uh, inviting person that he can be. But throughout the first season, later on, we do start seeing these glimpses and um, glimpses and um, instances of like a softer, soft-spoken type character that comes out of Don and and that person is Dick Whitman. And when you're mm-hmm. watching the show from the start, you don't really, at least for me, when I first watched the show, I don't think I put those two things together. I think I was just thinking, this is Don. You know, Don is just having a weak moment or he just, you know, he's down and out or something like that. But really, it was more of a... After rewatching, I really looked at it as more of a... Um, kind of a peek into the real self of Don, or at least the one that he keeps away from people. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody sees that version of him. Don barely yeah. it recognizes it himself. Um, and when you, when we get to see it in the first season a few times, especially with Rachel, um, it's eye-opening, it's jarring, it's... Um, it's surprising and a little terrifying at the same time because... It's so ju- it's so different from what we're used to seeing from Donnie. It, it, it doesn't fit. The hair doesn't. It, it all of it doesn't quite make sense. And so this character that's been the that this I mean Don Draper the man is a is a layered, complicated, charming, uh, and meaning well type of person. Um, and so I think giving him props from not only the angle of Don Draper, but um, the softness that is Dick Whitman is why I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. If if this is if I'm getting what you're saying, it's like Don is Don is invincible, but right. untouchable when it's when he's vulnerable. As soon as that, as soon as something shakes him. If he's off his game, that's that he's that's I'm sure he's like, well, now I'm, you know, <laughs> uh, I thought of um, the way that shields recharge in the game Halo <laughs> uh, when the when the shield is there, that's Don. But if he takes enough damage, it's like, oh, well, now you're getting at the Dick Whitman underneath. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I suppose it's kind of different than if someone actually changes their name to something that they wanted to change it to yeah um don will always revert to dick whitman in a sense because when when different things happen to us in our lives like for example when we hang out with people we haven't seen in a few years it's interesting we seem to become or at least i've noticed this for myself we become like our old self almost like Yep. If I'm yeah. hanging out with old friends, I might catch myself saying shit I don't say anymore. Uh, <laughs> like, or doing weird, like, socially anxious things I didn't used to do or feel. And mm-hmm. yeah. for Don, I think the fact is, is that he connects anxiety and stress and sadness with when he was younger. And when he was younger, he was Dick Whitman. 
So in a sense, he does come come back to Dick Whitman in those moments because yeah, that's it's this transformative thing that happened. I mean, the thing that I noticed was that I don't think he becomes that scared, you know, wide eyed, uh, frightened little boy until after um, Adam visits him. I don't think that's happened in the show until after that yeah. moment. And yeah. It makes me wonder what his life was like before that pivotal moment. Um, I've talked about it on the show before, but I, I really think that Don and Betty's marriage may have been pretty happy for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And Don may have been a loving and doting husband for a decent chunk of time. Um, yeah. And I wonder if Mad Men starts where it does because that visit from Adam is really what sets Don down. You know, I don't think it's a uh, stretch to say that the man falling. It's a catalyst. Yeah, yeah the man falling from the building oh. in the opening is Don. And uh, yeah. the the descent begins, I think, when he turns his uh, little brother away. Just to look at facts about uh, Dick Whitman's life, you know, before he became Don. Uh, you know, not spoilers. Just what we know from the first season. Uh, we see him in the Great Depression. You know, oh, he's, right. he's yeah. hard scrabble dirt dirt farming life, you know, with his family. His parents seem like very hard, unsympathetic people, you know, certainly to a stranger who knows. And they're really not much better to their child. Yeah. Their child. Um, he tells the facts, you know, he's like, oh, to Rachel. Does he mention the fact that his mom died and that's his stepmom uh... to Rachel? I'm tr- oh um yes he says yeah my mother died in childbirth I think right Pretty and sure that's when she's laying or he's laying mm-hmm. on her chest or something like that an aspect also is the way that Don wants to be a good father mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he wants to be a good father especially a nonviolent father mm-hmm. when he when he deans to go home he is a like tender and affectionate father to his kids. Betty even says to the therapist that he is really kind and sweet to the kids. Yeah. She brings up that he's a good man to the kids. Yeah. So So even adjusting for the fact that if Betty's in therapy, she's overcompensating for what she's insecure about. I think that we can accept that as true. So, you know, this is a guy who's like, we, we know that what he's come from are these real traumas. These are a really hard life that he wants to run away from. Um, I have a, <laughs> this might, I don't want to blow your guys' mind, but, uh, I have something provocative to say about, uh, well, you've already done Don it. and his role on the show. That's true. <laughs> Go on. It's that everyone is Don Draper. Everybody. Don, we, we, we are, the show tells us that he's unique. The secret about him is that Don at some point, consciously developed a persona to control mm. how the world looks at him and to present this to others and he uses this as a way to you know interact professionally as a way to say to, to control how the world looks at him and to you know how he's going to look out at the world everybody does this yep don is, has a very dramatic example of this because you know they want to have this mystery at the core of the show, but it's true of everyone. 
Pete wants to recreate himself as this independently successful ad man. Roger um, is, you know, a character who is uh, constantly sort of mythologizing his own history and his role in the company. Uh, Betty is... Betty's living with an identity that has largely been crafted for her and her discomfort with it. Mm -hmm. But she still is trying to hold it up whenever she can get the chance, whether that is in therapy or how she acts towards her divorced neighbor. Mm -hmm. Um, Peggy is trying to be this archetypal like secretary in the way that Joan is trying to kind of tutor her Mm -hmm. and the way that she's, you know, tries to make a pass at Don. Everyone is trying to wear this persona in an effort to interact with the world around them. Uh, I agree. With they're that. all Don Draper. Yeah. Hmm. So that's you know maybe something to think about as you go into the next season in the For show. Sure. We will think about it, and uh, I think it's true in um, in life today as well. But I think also I think the point of it is that you sort of had to in the '60s. You really had to keep up appearances. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. uh, no matter who you were, uh, you had to. Mm-hmm really seem put together stuff like mental health, like taking a mental health day in the sixties would be like, wait, what you're <laughs> going to a mental health, mental asylum. <laughs> you know, like what's wrong with you? Uh, what's right. wrong with you? That's Roger. what Roger would say. What's wrong with you? If you called in sick for Sterling Koo and said, I'm that's what drinking is for. <laughs> yeah. That's what drinking. Come on in. We'll, we'll all drink. Uh, you can vent yeah, to me you, about it. Uh, you would say, yeah, I'm having a mental health day. Like, yeah, me too. Make me one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, I think, Joe, what you say is true. And uh, I think, yeah, no, it, it's it's going to be really interesting to see how people grapple with their identity crises. Mm-hmm. Um, es- especially as, you know, the 60s are all about a time when the expectations of what you were like, what role you had in society were starting to change radically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, we start seeing that with Peggy. Uh, especially in first season, but it's only going to become a bigger theme as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, but uh, Don, I, Don, and Dick, you both deserve this award, and I think we have a surprise. They're both <laughs> coming on stage. They're both coming on stage to welcome the. Hold on, well, hold, I was on wrong. hold on, guys. Hold on, guys. <laughs> I've said before that Don and Dick are the same person, and uh, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's, they're both. They're both uh, John Hamm. The prestige. One is is slightly smaller. (laughs) Uh, One is slightly. He is a little smaller, isn't he? One is wearing a poncho and is kind of in the shadows. Thank you. (laughs) Let's let's put some work. Head up, up, Dick. Head up, Dick. (laughs) All right. A dramatic ending to the first annual Dadman Awards. Uh, I'm... Uh, you know, thank you all very much for listening and attending. Thank you, Mike and Michael, for um, all of your work making the show. Uh, I've been very pleased and proud to uh, join you as your dadster of ceremonies. Do you have any uh, anything to leave us with before we say goodnight? Jala, you can go first. I mean, Joe. I mean, the honor is the honor is mine, and. Um, it's been a ride. I've enjoyed the show, Mad Men, 
and the show we've created, Dad Men, equally. And it's um, it's hard to put in words, but I get good feels from both, and I want to continue those good feels as we move through the seasons. And um, we just hope that you guys stick around and uh, ride the wave with us. Yeah, uh, I echo that. Joe, I, I asked you to basically be the host of this award show, and it's not an easy thing to do. And you uh, came up with some great categories and uh, did a great job. Um, I would like to say thank you to Jala for your patience in uh, working with me. Um, I know I'm not always the easiest person to work with, um, but... I hope you know that I appreciate what you've that you've done, all the passion you've brought to the show, and the learning the the edits um, and teaching me a lot about editing as well. So it's uh, it's been really cool. That's been really fun, and um, I'm very proud that we took something that was just two guys chatting over Zoom and just super giddy about like, oh, this could be really good. This could be really good. I, I and like. Very few people in life get past the this could be very good stage because it's the most fun part of a project, <laughs> you sure. know. But we did it. It took it took uh, guts. It took determination. But most of all, it took uh, took time. But it was really fun time. Some of the most fun times I've had in the last year. So uh, I can't wait for season two, man. Season two, I. Uh, not to give the ghost up or give the game away, but I remember season two being a huge step up from season one. Um, it's going to be exciting. Season, season one, ultimately, we talked about how we remembered season one being, like, not as good as the other seasons. And I think that's still true, but there is some, there's some gold in these hills, and I'm really glad that we did this together. And uh, it's going to get even better. So please uh, stay tuned and... Uh, Remember that thing about the medium being the message? (laughs) It's still true, folks. Cheers to that. All right. Good night, everybody. This has been a Destiny Park Media production. If you like the show, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. For more content, you can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. We're going to be posting video clips of your favorite podcasts, as well as glimpses at new music. And hey, drop us a line or send any questions you might have to destinyparkmedia at gmail.com.